0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, reconnecting to the essence of you. I have with me today Heather Wearing. She's the founder of One Million Women Walking, a global community supporting her mission to impact the lives of one million women through the simple activity of walking. Heather is also a published author, coach, speaker, and walk expert. She has walked along iconic paths like the Great Wall of China, the Inca Trail, and Camino de Santiago. And it was after using walking as a major tool in her recovery from burnout and adrenal fatigue that she set up her current business. Walking is her vehicle for delivering self-care, coaching, nurturing, and transformation to older women who still have so much life to live. Hello, Heather. I'm so excited to have you Back to Basics. Oh, hello, Lucia. Thank you so much for having me here. This is really great. Well, I'm so excited because lately I've been having a lot of guests from England. So I guess, I mean, I've always known my podcast is international because I am Italian also and I have an international following. But England now is becoming a big thing. I love it. It's one of my favorite countries. Oh, well, that's good. And I'll get
1: that. Um, I'll get this podcast out even further when we can share it. And so even more people in the UK will get to know about you.
0: Well, I love it. And I'll do the same for you and your amazing initiative, because mm-hmm. uh, as I always do my little research before every episode, I'm so excited about this project is uh, something that uh, deserves an episode on its own, but I never I can never s- Start talking about the meat of the things without wanting to know about my guest's childhood, about what you were passionate about when you were growing up, and learning a little bit about uh, Heather in the younger years.
1: Oh. Well, I had quite an interesting upbringing. The, the very beginning of it was was very normal. I had a sister and uh, we didn't get on that well. We lived in a, in a house where there were lots of woods behind. And so I, I just remember idyllic summers spent in the woods. And I learned everything I know about trees and wildflowers in those summers, because there were wonderful little ladybird books that we had that we could you know, I learned about those. So it was a real education and it's something I guess I didn't realize at the time that would serve me so well in later life because, you know, walking in nature is is one of my big pleasures. But I, Northern Ireland at the time that I was growing up, especially as a teenager, was full of of what they call the troubles in Northern Ireland. So a lot of violence, a lot of bombings and fires and and not so good things shootings and that was a really weird place to live your your um teenage years because your social life was really non-existent you know your parents didn't want you to go to pubs and cinema because they didn't know if you'd be safe and of course this was before mobile phones and things that kind of very much you know, you take it, you take it as your norm. Young people are amazing at just fitting into what life throws at you. And it wasn't until I went to university in Scotland and I was talking to people about it that I realised that this wasn't normal. <laughs> you know,
0: it's amazing. So,
1: um, yeah, I'm trying to think what my what my kind of passions and interests were. I mean, I think it was the nature. It was being with my friends. It was having quite an outdoor childhood. But I also had a very authoritarian father, and so, as I became a young adult uh, or as you know my late teens and I wanted to go to university, I wanted to escape, I wanted to partly get away from my dad, but also partly to get away from Northern Ireland, it's politics and and everything that was going on there. Yeah, Yeah,
0: I I imagine it sounds it sounds I can relate. I was born and raised in Venezuela and unfortunately, my country, you know, we for the past 20 years, we've had the worst situation there. And I see my nephews and nieces, you know, where they should be going to dances and things and outdoors and to the movies. and, And you can't because it's so dangerous to let your kids. I mean, Talk about extended COVID. They, in those kind of countries have lived like COVID-like scenario for many, many years, where you cannot ju- go your, out of your house and you have to entertain yourself indoors. But in any case, so you went to university and what the were you passionate about? What you studied? What the, how did you get to your <laughs> university years?
1: Um, I studied. I started to study speech therapy and uh, it had a grand title of uh, speech pathology and therapeutics and uh, it was at the time when a lot of these uh, similar occupational therapy physiotherapy speech therapy were going from diplomas to degrees so they were becoming very academic and i'm i'm a bright lady but i wouldn't say i was ever a real academic and so I I loved the people side of things, but I struggled a bit with some of the academia. And it was quite funny, actually. I was clearly a good coach in those days because I coached two of my flatmates to pass their biology exam, but I managed to fail
0: mine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that's so funny.
1: (laughs) And uh, that kind of led to me having to leave the course but again, I, you know, my father said, oh, you'll come back to Northern Ireland. And I thought, no, I'm not going back to Northern Ireland. I was enjoying my freedom. So I, I ended up then kind of just finding a job. I needed to find a job so I could stay. And um, that became the beginning of uh, of an amazing kind of evolution of career, actually, because I, I got a job working... As a photographic assistant, I'd always quite liked photographs. That didn't really lead to where I wanted to go. But then I got into working for charities, working for the not for profit sector. I I had, oh, many years then to follow working in that sector in different charities and on different subjects. But the thread that put it all together really was education. So I was nearly always in some kind of an educational role. And that expanded from working in schools and teaching children in schools about old people and helping to raise money, right through to the last job I had in a in a charity was as head of education in one of our major charities, which is the British Heart Foundation. So it would be similar to the American Heart Association. Okay, yeah. and in fact, we used to do work with the American Heart Association. So I got involved with... Um, educating nurses and doctors by putting on workshops and conferences, making videos with patients so that we could produce videos for people with different health issues, heart disease, health issues, funding different projects. And again, it's really interesting. One of the projects that my committee funded was a health initiative around walking and at the time, I loved this initiative. I thought it was a fabulous initiative. It was the general practitioner who set it up. And so we funded that. And that initiative is still going strong. And last year, he and I were both interviewed in the same magazine about our work. And I just I thought love it was it. a lovely closing That's of the a circle. Full circle. Yes,
0: <laughs> I love those stories. I love those stories. That's yeah. amazing.
1: So I guess the other thing all of that taught me was because there was a lot of training involved, I was also very much often thrown in the deep end. So I realized that I actually really enjoyed taking a a new project and running with it and shaping it. Um, And I did a lot of training. So standing up on, on stage or the front of a room, training, speaking, also did quite a lot of media interviews and things like that. And all that has really served me well where I am now, you know.
0: It's amazing because it's always in the in the journey we don't realize when we're doing something. Just yesterday, someone told me that they thought that sometimes I'm unfocused, right? Because I'm doing right. so many things at the same time. And yeah. so, and I can understand how that can seem that way. And to me, what I told them is actually because I'm so focused <laughs> these things are actually panning out the way they're panning out. And because, yeah. But I'm focused on different initiatives. You know, that doesn't mean that you might maybe are on focus. It's just they all serve you to advance, the the you know, your general vision. But, you know, sometimes people think that if you're not doing only one thing, then you're on focus, forgetting that maybe what you're doing is going to serve you to advance your main, main initiative. So... Exactly. And I think we're all different as well. You know, some people,
1: and I can imagine you, get really fired up by having all these different initiatives. That's what makes you you and makes you, you know, be able to handle all these things. Whereas other people, that's their worst nightmare. They just (laughs) want to have one thing, you know, and they would be completely unfocused if they were trying to do different things. Yes.
0: And that's why I say always it's about what exactly what you say, what keeps you going, you know, and, and give a little yeah. bit of what you need to be creative. I always say my biggest fear is when I stop learning or when I don't feel like I'm learning something new or it's like my worst fear. So, yeah. so I know then you went on and became a a, a coach, right? I How, did indeed. yeah. And yeah. so that you manifested that early on. And then eventually when, when did it happen that you said, okay, this is really what I'm going to go into.
1: It was about 2000 the year 2000 and I'd had my daughter in 1997 and I'd come back into work still at the Heart Foundation and uh, there was unfortunately there was a woman who became my boss who was not a good boss and I didn't realize it at the time but I actually you know afterwards realized that she was she was a bit of a bully Um, And so I had a couple of very unhappy years. But again, it was like, I can sort this out. I can sort this out. And then I just got to the point where I was was arriving at work, having kind of already been in floods of tears, imagining what was going to happen during that day. And that is just not me, you know. So I had discovered a coaching, I think, had just started to, become something uh, in the States initially of course and then was starting to kind of begin to be seen in the UK and in Europe and uh, that interested me as did um, stress management I think partly because I was under so much stress and so I decided to do uh, a coaching course and the plan was that I would do the course, I would come back into work, I would build up some clients on the side, and then I would, you know, transition. But I enjoyed the course so much, and I did not want the toxicity of coming back into the workplace, which was sad, because she was the only person, unfortunately, that wasn't good in that place. Everything else was wonderful. But anyway, I um, I took a step. Uh, my husband said, you know, we can cope if you want to do that. And it also meant that I was a bit more flexible for my young daughter. So I set up the business in 2000 and really have been coaching ever since, even though that coaching has changed a little bit, you
0: know, as to what my target audience is. And, and I love that. And that's where we're going to get to, you know, your book, How Walking Saved My Life. Uh, which yeah. has a great title and and really the entire process. So here you are, and this is very interesting because you know in the in in the podcast I always talk about how people get to be into their dream job, and so here yeah. you are. You're taking coaching, which seems this is going to be my dream job, which I think I take it it is. But it got to a point where probably you're being so good and so successful that you were diagnosed with burnout and adrenal fatigue. So. Tell us a little bit more. I admit it. I don't know what adrenal fatigue is. I'm very curious. (laughs) I shall
1: get to that in a minute. So the first, you know, the first six to seven years of my coaching was fine. I I tended to find a niche within career coaching because most people who came to me wanted to change their jobs or maybe they'd been made redundant and wanted to reinvent themselves. The interesting bit though was you get people, I think this is worldwide, who want to change their jobs because they're not getting on with someone. And of course that really resonated with me. And I knew that if you run away, 10 chances to one, if you come across the same kind of person in a different job, the whole thing will just come up again. Mm. So I did some great work and I, I was very successful at that. But I think after a while, I got a little bored with, kind of been expected to wave a magic wand and find someone a new career. And lots of people don't want to put the work in. They just want you to tell them what to do. And of course, coaching is not about that. It's about pulling out from them. So I um I had done a sponsored walk when uh, I was with the Heart Foundation and along the Great Wall of China. And uh, I that had got me back into walking again. So I remember being out walking one day and thinking Ooh, maybe I could walk with with my clients and coach and walk at the same time. And this was way back in 2006. So I started pursuing that. And the role that I saw had kind of three different prongs to it. One was walking and talking with clients. The second one was helping to inspire and train women who were signing up for these charity treks like I'd done. And the third one was to set up walking groups, mainly for mums who were meeting around the school gates and who didn't want to go to the gym, who didn't want to go swimming every day because their makeup and their hair, who often would be saying things like, my pelvic floor doesn't allow me to run anymore. Oh, my God. (laughs) So they were looking for something. And I started setting up walking groups. So I tried all of those out for a couple of years and some worked and some didn't, but they weren't bringing in the kind of income that I wanted. And I was also, I'd also signed up to do a two day 38 mile walking challenge in London. And I had offered to train other women. And the result of that was we, we had a fantastic time. I trained 18 women. And I trained them so well. We just built it up bit by bit. And these were women who'd never walked in their lives before. And at the end of it, they all went, so what now? You know, well, you can't just send us back. What are we going to do? So I set up my first ever walking group and we would walk monthly. And we also, uh, a group of us went off and did the Inca Trail. And then with another woman who I met through that, There is the very famous uh, Camino de Santiago, which not everybody might know about. But if you're interested in walking and you're listening to this, it is a long distance path along the north of Spain. It's been around since medieval times. It's 500 miles long and it had a resurgence in the 1980s. And actually, since the film The Way came out, which some people might know or might want to go and, you know, watch the North America has very much embraced the Camino. So I have a lot of
0: women who want to come with me. Well, I'm one of them. It's in my bucket list. So it's it's funny when I read your, you know, preparing for this interview, it's like almost like I've been in Santiago de Compostela, I've been at the cathedral as Venezuelan. We are, I have several friends that have done it. And it's always been on my on my bucket list. So for sure, uh, it's on tape. I would love to join one of those trips. So oh, well, we we'll have a date. Okay.
1: Oh, great. <laughs> so yeah, also I was still keeping the walking going, but it wasn't working the way I kind of wanted to. This is all relevant. So then then I kind of just got into what I now call my wilderness years. I just got lost. I did not know I knew where, you know, where I was, but there was something that was missing and I didn't know what it was. You know, life was okay. There were bits of it that were happy, but there was something deep inside me that just wasn't bringing me together the way it had been. And that probably went on for quite a few years and it was a horrible time to be in because... You know, I used to wake up in the middle of the night sobbing quietly so not to wake my husband and just kind of thinking, I've lost my spark, lost my energy. I don't know how to get it back. I don't know who to turn to to help. I don't even really know the questions to ask and and what am I going to do? But then I would also be berating myself and saying, come on, Heather, you know, you have a loving husband. You have a beautiful daughter. They're both healthy. You have a lovely house. You have a job. You have friends. Da, 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 da. What on earth have you got to be unhappy about? Because let's face it, some people have really horrible lives. And they're, you know, they're putting up with lots of things we wouldn't want to have to put up with. And yet, you know, here was me complaining. And I think the important thing to say out of that is it's, it's, That's understandable, but we have to stop um, comparing ourselves with other people because we are who we are, where we are at that time. And if we're not happy, no matter what's not making us happy, we're then not giving of the best of ourselves. And we are not showing up as the best to our family, to our friends, to our clients, to our work colleagues, whoever. And so we owe it to ourselves to find the way to to fix it to improve it so i then got to a point where I, I was doing the bit of the camino that i so i started my camino journey sorry i started my camino journey in 2008 and i started it from the center of france because many people walk it as you know the whole thing in about 4 to 6 weeks and i couldn't do that so i decided to start it in the center of france and make it a 1000 miles long And it took nine years to complete. So we would do a section and we would go back and pick it up and do another section. And at first I felt that I was cheating because I wasn't doing it like everybody else until somebody said to me, but you're walking all the steps, aren't you? And I went, yeah. And they said, you know, I think there's something really lovely about having time to consider a section at a time before you move on. So different perspective. It's powerful.
0: It's a powerful analogy.
1: It is actually. And the more I think about that now, I'm really glad I did it that way, you know, but I had just, so I got to the halfway point and um, we had chosen to do it in September over the Pyrenees because we figured that would be dry from the summer. It wouldn't be any snow yet. It might still be warm. We would see lovely views well, we started in the rain in Saint in um, Saint Jean Pierre de port which is the little French town at the foot of the Pyrenees. It poured. The mists came down. We couldn't see a flipping thing. We got to the top. It was cold. We got down the. We'd taken little bottles of champagne or cava to to open at the bo- at the top and celebrate. We forgot all about <laughs> it. We missed the border. <laughs> Um, and We came down sopping wet into pouring, you know, in pouring rain. And the next day it was the same. But then the pendulum swung and it suddenly went to, oh, into the 90s. And it, we weren't sleeping because it was so hot. And during the day you would start before sun up. So you actually didn't have to walk in the heat of the afternoon and I still enjoyed it, but I came back absolutely exhausted. And then I spent three days not knowing what on earth was going on. I couldn't make a decision. I didn't care whether I got dressed or not. All these things, again, that weren't me. And I picked up a a book and the reading for the 1st of October was all about burnout. And I read this article, went tick, 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 tick. So at least I then realized what was wrong and I then could start. So I took I took a year out in the end of the day and I used walking as a way of starting to slow me down, reconnect me. And the adrenal fatigue point part of things was I was doing some work with a um, a somatic educator who was looking at why I had a lot of aches and pains in my body. And the fact that as she described it, my muscles were on constant alert. I wasn't relaxing. And the more she dug into this, the more she said things like, you're missing potassium, you're missing magnesium, you're missing all these minerals and things. And she said, I actually think you might have adrenal fatigue. Now, adrenal fatigue happens to men too, but it happens more to women. And as you know, women have less adrenaline than men do. So we run on our adrenaline in the same way as men do. But then when we run out, we turn to our, uh, we batter our adrenals because we're still trying to get that adrenaline, but then we end up raising our cortisol levels. And for anyone like me who is susceptible to putting on weight, that just rockets your weight as well. And you can't lose it while you're in this stress place. So, the other thing about adrenal fatigue that's important is that in most cases, medical doctors do not diagnose it. They know when your adrenals are completely off the scale and you've got certain diseases and they know when your adrenals are working, but they're not really taught that much about in between and especially in the united kingdom here where we have general practitioners who need to be need to know about everything in the states you tend to have more specific doctors dealing with different things so it might be a bit better but the only place that i could get a diagnosis was through a naturopath or a nutritionist and you do a saliva test Uh, So you fill, I think it's about three little files of saliva at different times of the day, they get sent away. And then what came back was that I was number four on the scale of five. And interestingly, my blood tests came back from the GP as being normal. So if I was someone who didn't have any time for more alternative therapists or nutritionists, I would probably have followed what the doctors said and what the medical world said. And I probably would have still continued to wonder what was wrong with me and where I was making this up if clearly everything was fine. Whereas because I did then go down the nutritional route and the walking routes and really just looking at health in general, it took me about nine months to get back normally from adrenal fatigue and that to go. But I strongly believe that if you are a stressed woman, and let's face it, who's not stressed these days, you probably some level of adrenal fatigue.
0: That's yeah. very, very interesting. Very interesting, yeah. and that really uh, kind of also was your starting point again to reinvent a little bit of the mo- of your model and and the walking. Which I let me say this: it's it's funny that. Also, when I saw it, it during pandemic times, I used to go to the gym, but I hate the gym. But when you're really busy, you know, I was working working out with a trainer because at least you say those two hours a week, you get it done. You, But it's never something I enjoy. But now during COVID, I don't train with anybody, gym, And I started walking at night when I, I have a six-year-old and a 10-year-old. So I do it when I put them to bed and I leave them with my husband and I go, even if it's at nine o'clock at night. And, yeah, And And he's, I've. I totally see what you're saying, like I was reading your story, and I say walking is such a powerful tool, it's available to all, it's free <laughs> and and we forget we forget about how powerful it is to to do it and
1: I think one of the wonderful things about it is as well, all those things that you've just said, but also the fact that it brings it brings so many physical benefits, so you know you you get you build a fitness level up. You, you sometimes lose a bit of weight. You, you definitely tone up. You know, I often look at my legs and think, shame I haven't moved my arms quite as much as my legs because my legs are very toned. Um, but, you know, all those things are really good for you. But it's the mental aspect of it. It's, it's what it brings to you emotionally and also mentally um, you know, it expands creativity. It makes decision making easier. It that movement fires up the brain. It it's a meditative quality. You know, I I often as well when I'm out will use the the dictaphone facility on my telephone, and I will. I write blog posts, I will come up with ideas for, you know, programs and things like that. And often I will just walk and enjoy the glory of walking, you know, but you can actually make it part of your business in a sense, if you want to, you know.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's
1: fabulous. I
0: I, I listen to podcasts sometimes. I like yesterday, I was frustrated with something at work and I want music tonight. Like I want it like there's the mood, right? For what you want to yeah. achieve. So, and you're very lucky because you, you, I mean, I saw some of the pictures and the nature. I live in Miami and yeah, we have the beach, but it's not like a place where, it's not like a city. I love city walking too. Like when yeah. you are in Europe, it's one of the things I miss the most about, you know, cities like London or, or, or you know, Paris, where you walk around and you just walk in and you're embedded in culture and, and beautiful oh, city yeah. sights, right? Yeah. Here in the States is beautiful, too. But sometimes, uh, you know, the, the walking in the city is depending in which city you live in. If you are in San Francisco, I'll give it to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, or New York. Or New York. York. I
0: love walking in New York. It's yeah. just a, uni- <laughs> a unique thing. So tell me about your book and then all the projects that you're doing, getting a million women walking.
1: That's a big okay. challenge it is the book was was handed out to me initially as a challenge actually i was working with uh, a mentor who was at the time based in the states and she she threw out this challenge of writing a a small book like a giveaway to your clients about what you did and i started that and got it to a certain level and then kind of put it on the back burner because other things happened and it sat on the back burner for quite a while um and I uh, I work with a numerologist. I find that fascinating. And she had said to me, you know, because numerology goes in nine year cycles. So she said, year seven is the year for you to write your book or to get it out there. So that meant I had to get it back out again. I think I was terrified that it was a load of rubbish, you know, and I kept procrastinating. And I finally picked it up, read it and thought, Actually, this is not as bad as I thought it was. Some of it's quite good, so it's not a it's not a huge book, but basically it tells the story from that trip to the Camino when I uh, you know which was the the opening into my burnout really, and then how I used walking to start to find my way back to myself really and start to, as I as I mentioned before, start to reconnect. And it was the slowing down. I mean, when I was first um, diagnosed and first with burnout, I didn't have a lot of energy to do anything. But, you know, gradually I would start to, you know, be in the garden. And then well, we're very lucky where I live in London. We have a huge forest area that I can walk in. And just starting to do that, but doing it at a slow pace which really allowed me to um, connect with all my senses. And I put together, actually, a free tool for anybody, which is Seven Days of Mindful Walking. And, you know, anyone's welcome to go on my website and find that because it just gets you day by day connecting with one of your senses and just using it when you're out on even a 10, 15-minute walk. And that really helped me to get back. And then I started to build up my, you know, my my walking. Now, the mentor I'd been working with had also said to me, you know, you've always wanted to walk with women. So stop doing everything else and just go and and take women walking. So the first thing I did was start to look at taking women out on the Camino. But the book, so the book Um, coming back to the book, the book had the story of, I guess, my story, my past that led me up to where I was. And at the time, it was all kind of in together until a friend of mine said, why don't you do it a bit like past, present and future? So my story was the past. The present is very much about why I now do what I do and how, because it helped me find my way back to myself how I feel that it can work in the same way for lots of other women. And I, I do feel that women more than men do lose themselves along life's path because we are the natural helpers, nurturers, givers. So we tend to put ourselves last. We put everybody else first, whether that be our children or our partners or our aging parents. Uh, we give to our colleagues, we give to our bosses, you know, all of this. And where do we fit in? Often we run out of, of time and energy and we don't. So often women aren't sleeping as much as they should be. They're not eating the kind of food they should. They're not doing enough exercise. Uh, there are, of course, people who do all of those things. But I think we become disconnected. And it was, it was lovely how you started with asking about you know, what my background was, getting me thinking about what interested me, maybe what my dreams were, because I think there's a lot of those dreams that we had as young women still in us. And actually, it's not too late to go back and reconnect with them. And what I find with my clients is a lot of the the big question that I often ask my clients is, who are you really? Not who. Are you that society wants you to be or your culture wants you to be? Although that's important, of course, because it adds to our, our personality or who your family wants you to be. But Who are you? What lights you up? What brings you joy? What has you fueled and functioning as, a, as an amazing woman? Because if we can tap back into that, then we can take you forward into a life that hopefully you're jumping out of bed every day to get to so that's what the present is very much about and why i do what i do and what i do and then the the looking forward was very much about legacy now as you can tell i am not 20 30 40 year old oh, you <laughs> um, look great but, i don't know how old, but you look wonderful well, and that doesn't matter but you know i i'm definitely on the older scale but I think that there is just, I mean, I am no way thinking of retiring or wanting to stop what I'm doing, but it was really good being able to think, okay, what, in a sense, do I want to leave to this world? You know, what do I want people to say about me when I'm not here anymore? And I think there are two main things. One is I want to have inspired lots, millions and millions of women worldwide to walk but i also want to put walking back up in the in its rightful place as a powerful force for good because you know up until a few years ago when i first started talking about walking people would kind of look at you and say well walking's not a real exercise you know and even with things like the camino and other long distance walking people are sometimes a bit surprised to find you have to train if you're going to walk for 5 days doing on average, 15, 16 miles a day. You might be able to manage one, but you'll be in pain the next day if you've never done any training. So you have to get fit, you know. And it is a great form of activity. And I think especially if, you know, you said you don't like the gym. So many women, as I said earlier, struggle with gym, running, you know, swimming, all of this. Whereas walking, you can walk out your front door you can take it on holidays with you. You know, you can walk when you're on holidays, just exploring where you're staying. City breaks, you can, it's the best way to connect and find places in a city is by walking because you can go, oh, that looks interesting over there. I'll just go that way, you know. And it, it's just, you can walk with friends and family. You can Plan somewhere that takes you to a lovely pub or restaurant halfway right, you know, you can have so much fun with it, you know. So that's why I think it really is a powerful place to be um, and why all of that. So that's the kind of story of the book. And the Million Women Walking, well, that came from really drilling down to identify what my, I suppose, reason for being was about, and it was about, I want to impact the lives of women through walking. And again, the person I was doing that with said to me, well, how many women? And I just went, a million? (laughs) So I set up a community in 2019, the 1st of November, 2019, called, uh, it was a Facebook group, called one million women walking so anyway anyone listening go and look the facebook group up one as in the word one million women walking and you'll find the group come and join us we've got seven thousand over seven thousand women in the community now they are global which i love so you know north america canada some in south america australia new zealand all over europe I think we've got someone in Korea, somebody in um, Japan, someone in China, you know, we've got women from all over the world and the Middle East as well. And the wonderful thing is, we don't discuss politics, so uh, we don't want to know that at all. We It is the most caring, sharing, loving community with women who want to bring other women up and they got. I didn't even tell them to do this, but they got into the way of they they share photographs all the time, and they're from all over the world. And so, you know, as we're coming into spring and autumn in in the you know the northern hemisphere, of course, the southern hemisphere is going into no, we're coming to spring and summer. Sorry, the north, the southern hemisphere is going into autumn and winter. So we kind of nicely balance each other out. Canada's still got snow. You know, some parts of Europe are actually beginning to think they can go to the beach quite soon. You know, and it, it's it's wonderful. And um, I have big vision for where this can go and, and how I engage with women and set up partnerships with women all over the world.
0: Well, I think uh, I was going to say, well, now you have, I joined a group today, by the way. And hey, uh, and so now I'm in, in Miami, it's always sunny. So you can have me always. <laughs> <laughs> the the point where it never we don't deal with the snow or the terrible weather. But uh, I I really think uh, you know of course I'm gonna share on the on the side notes on the show notes rather all the information you you given. him. But I think it's definitely powerful. I know there's a lot of women that are gonna listen to this that are gonna be intrigued as I was. I think you put together uh, several powerful. Tools because I also in pandemic times, so I got two things going for me in pandemic times, which were mindfulness meditation back in March last year, which I had already kind of um, explored with. But now, you know, because I'm not traveling as much for work, I'm more, I I finally established a consistent habit of meditating. And then walking, because as I say, you know, I do, I'm doing other sports, but I'm finding that the easiest thing to do, you know, just to keep moving and to keep going. So it is funny to how you, when reading your webpage, it's like, she's, she's combining all key tools that we as women need. I mean, every human being needs it, but I think also women supporting women is a powerful message. And I agree with you. We deal with, with all those things as a mom, as a, as a business owner, as a professional and, and, and that support is really, really important. Exactly.
1: And we did in the, in the community, we did a survey starting in the first lockdown that we had in the United Kingdom in March last year. And I've no re well, I know people in different countries filled it in as well, but the number of women who started work walking during lockdown and many who used it as a tool for mental health because, of course, a lot of women worldwide were homeschooling. They were sharing their home with their partners who normally aren't there, their children who normally aren't there, and sometimes in very cramped conditions. And so walking was their escape. It was their headspace. It was what helped them to keep them going and uh, there was a very high percentage of those women, I'm sorry, I can't remember off the top of my head, that said they wanted to continue it, you know, and hopefully they have, because I do believe when you discover it, you really don't want to let it go again, you know.
0: Yep. I I can ca- count myself as one of them because it's exactly what I've experienced. And now that I found you, uh, then it can be part of something bigger. And that is exciting. And so Heather, anything else that you haven't shared with us that you, you know, I give you an open opportunity to share <laughs> anything else exciting? I'm sure that as we are hopefully all seeing the light at the end of the tunnel with the COVID situation, I'm sure you have exciting plans ahead. What, what, what are you excited about these days?
1: I think the thing I'm most excited about is I, I didn't realize quite so much how not being able to go out and walk, do a lot of my walks would impact me because of course I can walk myself, but it's that community. It's, it's the, because when I'm walking with other women, I'm not always officially coaching them, but of course we do have great conversations and they have great conversations with the other women. And uh, although it's still a bit unclear as to when we can actually go out to Spain and France and Portugal again, I am starting to put together plans now for 2022 and 2023. So if there's anyone in the US or other places that you you end up uh, getting your podcast to who are thinking of doing the Camino and would like to do one in a guided way where everything is taken care of really for you, then um, do go and visit the website and look at Camino experiences because I know a lot of my the way I do it is not the cheapest way that it can be done, but because everything is arranged for you, then it takes away a lot of the stress. And uh, a lot of the women who come like to plan a couple of years ahead so that they can just be paying the, the amount bit by bit. And it doesn't, it seems affordable, you know. Absolutely. Um, nice. So we'll be getting a lot of UK stuff going as well. So that's, that's nice. That's yeah. exciting. And just go Go visit the website and just see what we do because we do. I mean, I do coaching as well, um, online coaching programs that usually talk about paths and walking and things like that. You know, that's so
0: that's so exciting. Uh, definitely, will share uh, all of these with with uh, my audience, and uh, I'm excited for you because I interview. I'm almost uh, we're over a hundred uh, episodes now, and and you hear a lot of ideas, and they're all good. But you really seem to have hit a sweet spot. And so I'm very, oh. very excited for you.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. And it's such a pleasure to speak to you. And and I, I love the way you conduct your podcast because, you know, we've we, it's like we're sitting here over a glass of wine or a cup of coffee, isn't it? I, absolutely. Um, I, I feel really lucky.
0: Beautiful. I feel lucky because I feel like what you feel when you walk with your women and you're chatting, when I interview my guests, it's like yeah. I, I go out, After this interview, and I feel re-energized. I feel like I got something. It's almost like I feel guilty (laughs) because it's like this was so good. And this is, but this is about finding ways of what what you need to be in your best spot. And and really, that's how the podcast was born. And so my last question, because I cannot finish my uh, episode without it, is that we know that one of the things that make you tick is walking. What other things make you tick? When it's not walking, what is the other things that you do or places you Sun- go? In?
1: Sunshine, definitely. And travel. I love to travel. Um, and I sometimes wonder if it's something I should have done, you know, as a career earlier. But I think it might have put me off it. You know, I think sometimes when you when you dig deep into travel and you're you're all consumed with it as your job, perhaps you don't always enjoy it. But I love to travel and I love food and wine. Um, So, you know, finding nice restaurants and and tasting nice wine and going to vineyards and places like that there. And that's, again, why I feel I am really blessed to have been able to create the lifestyle that I have. Because, you know, when I end up in Santiago de Compostela at the end of a, of a, a trip and I've waved goodbye to everyone, I usually have an extra day there for myself. And, you know, I can go and visit a few of my little favorite shops that I've got to know and restaurants. And I just love exploring. And, you know, food food doesn't always have to be served in the highest caliber restaurants in the world to be good. You can get amazing food from little backstreet places that you find and, and street um, kind of stalls and things, you know. And and the authentic food of the the place is often the most pleasurable, you know. So I just love all of that.
0: I love it. And Spain is the perfect place for that. And all that you've said resonates on the what's included in your tours. The part I love the most is your drink <laughs> at the end of the day. I'm like, that's okay. Heather and I will get along. <laughs> and now when you mention the champagne on the top of the mountain, I say, okay, I'm going with her. With when I go, I'll go with you for sure. <laughs> Well, that would be lovely.
1: And and I, I feel a, a real kind of connection with you. So please do keep in touch. I'm delighted you've joined the community. And, uh, you know, let's, yeah, let's just
0: keep in touch. Absolutely, Heather. I really uh, appreciate your time and your wisdom and you sharing your journey with the Back to Basics audience. And we definitely be following the amazing things uh, you're doing. <laughs> and uh, thank you for getting me walking too. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Thank you and until the next time.